All right, good morning, everybody. Okay, so um, some of you don't know me, and that's okay, but I always feel like I have to give why this message comes up before it comes up, because it really does make sense. And so just to, and I feel like this is why I know that pastor, it takes him so long to get off of this platform, because have you noticed like 45 minutes into the message, he's like, okay, now for the message. And you're like, what? What was all of that? I, I now feel that because you really do have these moments of like, you can prepare a message and, and prepare what you're going to speak. And then suddenly God speaks to you ever since you kind of say, I'm going to do that. He, unve- he unveils so many different things and reveals so many different things, including today. And so um, last week I, and I had posted this on the prayer page. So thank you guys so much that were everybody that was praying for me. But last week I've been battling um, some bronchitis. I, it felt like it could have been pneumonia. And so I um, went to urgent care on Monday because I was forced to by my family. (laughs) And they said, you need to go get yourself checked out instead of not because you're not going to be here if you don't. And so I went to urgent care on Monday and Tori had listened to my lungs on Saturday and said, you know, there's some blockage definitely and, and I can diagnose you, but you really need to go on Monday. And so I went in and really wasn't feeling well after church. I felt like all of the breath that I had spent was on my voice and not getting air to my brain or any other part of my body. And so um, Monday I went into urgent care and they said, you know, let's look at your lungs. It's not pneumonia. Thank goodness it wasn't pneumonia. But they said, you do have severe inflammation and blockage on your right lower lobe. And so they sent me home with a steroid shot and a breathing treatment and an inhaler. And I've still been battling that. And I got this revelation of, okay, God is obviously up to something because the enemy's attack is coming full force, which again, I don't want to make things worse, but I'm always like, bring it. Okay, come on, try me because I've got God on my side. And then it's like, probably shouldn't be that way because the enemy does hear that. But on Monday when I went in, I kept hearing, you know, you got this blockage, this inflammation on your right lower lobe of your lungs. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, of course that happens to me because God uses my voice. And so of course the enemy was trying to block my lungs and block my voice and put mucus inside of me to where I wouldn't be able to hit notes and wouldn't be able to speak. And last night, Rhonda, you said something that I thought was very interesting. And I thought about it all night and all morning this morning, Rhonda, you know, clean up at a church. It's, it stinks. I'm just going to be real but we have like a little system. We're like worker ants where we just kind of like, buzz, like worker bees and ants. We just kind of buzz around and march around and we got it done in 20 minutes last night. Oh, that, that deserves a round of applause because church cleanup is hard. So we got it done in 20 minutes. I looked at Rhonda and Kendall and Kinsey and we're all standing there. And it's like, when you know that you've cleaned up at a church event, you're exhausted. And all, all four of us were just standing around after 20 minutes. And Rhonda said, thank God for reinforcements. And I was like, gosh, it's so interesting that you said that because this whole week I've been feeling like I've been underneath a battle and an attack. And so when you said that, I looked up like, what does reinforcement actually mean in a battle? So reinforcements come in when people that are fighting are completely exhausted and there has to be a transition, like you cannot miss a beat when the reinforcements come in. And again, I've never been in war. And so gentlemen and ladies that have been, you'll have to forgive me. I don't know all of this, but I did look it up on Google. And so it must be right. But the flanking tactic is when the enemy comes at you from the side, 
Because if you're looking straight on, you know how to fight this way, but oftentimes the enemy comes and attacks your side because you're at your weakest point. And I kept hearing God say, that is why you've had that blockage in your right side. It's that flanking tactic that the enemy is using because he knows that he can get you in your weak spot. Like you weren't, you were focused on your voice and on your nose and on the sinus infection. You weren't, you weren't noticing that right side blockage of what the enemy was doing. And it's like, we've got to be on guard all the way around. Reinforcements can help because they can guard our sides. When we're focused on this, they can come and work on our sides. And so God is up to something right now in this place. He is sending reinforcements. He is building his house. He is building his kingdom. So this week, again, sick, I took a week off from the gym, which for people that work out, you know how terrible that is. It was awful. I know. Erica's like, what? A whole week, a whole week off from the gym. So I had lots of time with work, but uh, yeah, so did pastor. He also took his week off. So this is why he gets so much done for the message. (coughs) Excuse me. So I took the week off and I spent the time that I would have taken to go exercise my body, to exercise my mind and my spirit. But I was sending this funny reel to a couple of girlfriends that I'm doing this uh, faith and fit retreat with. And in the reel, she says, you know, I don't know how people don't force their kids to go to church. And she's like, I'm going to. I'm going to force my kids to go to church because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And she said, she, now it was funny, so it wasn't all like, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but she was basically saying, the world that we live in now, I want my kids to be running around like crazy at the altar after church. I want my children to be leaving strawberry donut frosting on the chairs that we need to get rid of. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge on all that money, right? It's coming in. We need new chairs. I want my kids to play with prayer shawls like I did. I want them to cover up. I want them to take the offering plate and try to use it like a Frisbee. I want them to eat the leftover communion. Have you guys seen those things that they're like, hey, we're pastor's kids. Of course we know the best hiding spots in the church. Have you seen those videos like we're millennials? Some of you don't know, and that's okay. It's this new trend, but we sat down and we did this together in our house. We're like... (laughs) We're pastor's kids. Of course, during revival, we fill up on communion after service until we can actually go eat. Like, there's so many good ones. (laughs) It's going to be a while. We're pastor's kids. Of course, we use the tithing envelope as our grocery list. See, you guys, it's okay. Y'all are respectful. But pastor's kids, you know, I want my kids to grow up that way. I want my kids to be at church Easter egg hunts, finding the money eggs and giving them to somebody else. I want my kids to grow up in that foundation because I know that if I train them up the way that they should go, they might depart for just a hair, just a second, but they're going to come back. I know that because I stand before you and I see a brother that sits before you that are, we're products of that. My parents trained us up in the way that we should go. And guess what? No matter how far gone we got, we came back. And we also want our children to be the same way. And so I sent this real, and I'm like, that is so good. The ask for me and my house. And I know we've heard that message so many times, but I said to pastor, I go, hey, next time you need a break and you need me to speak, I've got this message. And he said, great, want to do it Sunday? I was like, no, it's next time you need a break, not, not me need a break. 
Sure. Okay. So ended up preparing this sermon and again, just attack after attack, after attack, after attack on my house, on my family, on myself, on everybody near me. And um, I thought it was interesting because as I was preparing this sermon, you know, for those of you that don't know, we're moving back from Baldwin to Edwardsville. And so we bought this brand new house and we love it. We're so excited. We did like a 90 day close. So it seems like we're never going to move in, but we do move in February 28th. Thank God it's here. Um, But while we were selling our current house, you know, there's this thing that you have to get tested outside of the inspection and that's called radon. I have no idea what radon is. I don't care to know. Literally don't care other than let us pass the test, dear Lord, because we have to move. So they come in and they test for radon. Our house is two and a half years old. It's brand new. And they're like, wow, your levels of radon are actually dangerously high. I'm like, of course they are. (laughs) Because why would this selling house process be easy? And so apparently it's because our house is new and radon is in the soil. And so as the house settled, the radon levels went up. The craziest thing about radon is you don't notice it. So that poison, that gas that's getting inside of your house that you test high for, you don't notice until they say your levels are dangerously high. And I had this moment of like, not in my house. And as we come upon Super Bowl today, what is the number one thing that people say when you're a fan and they like do something, you score a touchdown and they slam the ball down. They're like, not in my house. Right? Okay, seriously, have you ever played a game? Because it's everything I want to do. I mean, I'm playing Monopoly, and I'm like, not in my house. (laughs) As Garner was saying last night, not in my house. But you do say, not in my house. That's not going to happen in my house. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I said in the song, we're going to serve you, Lord. Here's the keys. Everything I have in this house, it's yours. I don't own it. The enemy doesn't own it. My husband doesn't own it. He owns it. He can do what only he can do. And so again, it's all making sense because I'm like, we're in this house buying process and there's this gas and we've got to get it tested. And then we had to have a pipe drilled and then we've got to retest it. And there better not be any any radon left. And I'm I'm saying this not because of radon, but I'm saying there's not going to be any way that the enemy is going to creep in my house that I'm not going to know about, that I'm going to have to retest because I'm making a declaration of that's not going to happen anymore. And it might have happened yesterday, this morning, last week, 10 years ago, but not today. Not today. I swear I'm onto the message now. I do. And listen, it's just, this is what happens with me and with God. He's like, all right, you're going to speak, get ready because I'm going to give you like 17 different revelations before you ever have to speak. And then you're not going to know anything that you said. All right. Your keys, they represent your ownership, your authority, and your right of access. However, Jesus has all authority. He is the ultimate key holder. Revelation 1, 17 through 18 says And he gives us his keys of authority. Matthew says, use these keys in my name. These keys are your right. God has the keys. He gives them to you. And he says, use these keys in my name. So every key that he gives you, you use it in his name. And he has the power to release what God has accomplished in your life through those keys. So pastor giving those keys, he talked about his, I think, four 
A's, right? And so several different, or a series of A's and P's and so many different letters. <laughs> but here's what really kind of stuck with me. Just as a key is useless when we neglect to use it or forget what it is for, you can have kingdom authority that is available to you, but never even touch it. Do I need to repeat that for note takers? Just as a key is useless when we neglect to use it or we forget what in the world does this key do? What is it for? You can have kingdom authority available to you, but never use it. How many of us have that ring of keys and we're like, I have no idea. This could be a key to someone else's house. No idea. <laughs> and you, you take your keys and you get them up to the doorknob and you get frustrated because you're like sticking key and you're like, ugh. How many times do we do that in the spiritual realm? God says, I've given you these keys to access things with my name and my authority. But if you neglect to use it, that's on you. But he's made it available to you. All right, we're going to talk about Joshua 24:15 today. According to the Bible, Joshua was born in Egypt prior to the great exodus. He later became one of the 12 spies of Israel sent by Moses. After the death of Moses, Joshua successfully led the Israelite tribes in the conquest of the promised land. At the time of the proclamation, he gathered all of the tribes of Israel to challenge the people with the utmost freedom to decide who they would serve. So that's what we're, we know about Joshua. He gives the choice of their old ways of worship, and then he gives a choice of do this the God way, and he says, that's up to you. That's up to you. Just like a coach, I'm, I'm kind of tying it back to football here because, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, and you can't not talk about football, Super Bowl Sunday, even though it's also Valentine's Day Sunday, but that's okay. <laughs> Always. You have to pick one or the other. Just like a coach, though, Joshua was instructing them, saying, this is what you can do. You know, you can go with this, or you can go with that. Now, I'm going to upset some people today. Dre, I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> I just need to use an analogy. And I'm not talking about the actual person. I'm talking about the analogy. I am not a Chiefs fan. So... I know, I know. You guys, don't leave the church, okay? <laughs> don't put on Facebook, that's why. I'm just saying, I'm not a Chiefs fan. I'm not really a Patrick Mahomes fan. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I know, I'm sorry. I'm just, you don't have to believe what I believe, okay? That, these are values that I, that I have, not you guys, okay? But hear me out. I kept hearing this thing about the, the Super Bowl game, and I'm like, listen, it... <laughs> The enemy likes to distract us, right? The Chiefs right now, they've got a good shot. They've got Patrick Mahomes. They've got Taylor Swift. Her lucky number's 13. She's flying 13 hours from Tokyo, so she can be there to be with Travis Kelsey, who is also with somebody before Taylor Swift started dating him, but that's okay. Um, so there's all of this stuff that's going for the Chiefs. And here I am telling pastor, I'm like, dad, I know the lions are going to win because it's going to be like the lion against the enemy. <laughs> That's a brave statement. Just hear me out. These are conversations that we have in the Boyer Shank household, not anybody else's. 
And then the Lions didn't win, and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> but I will say, even though my husband is a Bengals fan, I've been sending him videos of Brock Purdy. Has anybody been watching Brock Purdy's interviews lately? Anybody? Raise of hands. So he's actually a really big Christian. And he talks all about how during the game, he spends the entire game praying. He's like, I know that I could be a sellout and I could want all of this fame and fortune, but I also know that I could be sold out for Christ and one of them I'm going to win far more than the other. And so again, I'm, and if the Chiefs win, great. But what I'm saying is sometimes the enemy likes to distract us and give us this huge old Goliath that we're battling. And then little Brock Purdy David comes out and he's like, oh, but all I want is just God. Just give me Jesus. And it's like, I don't know about you and football is football, but I'm rooting for Brock Purdy tonight because I feel like the world needs a change. Riley Patterson, thank you so much for being a man of God in the NFL. Brock Purdy, there are so many different, Kirk Cousins, amazing man of God, right? So many different guys that say, I'm choosing to live this way, even though my friends are choosing to live that way, because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I'm not talking about football today. Don't pick a bone with me. You can come at my husband later, not me. But what I am saying is it's interesting that we're preaching on Joshua today, When Brock Purdy is saying the same thing that Joshua said, pretty much. Right? Joshua says, you can go. You go. You serve the idols that you want to. You go serve the gods that you want to. You want to serve the God of entertainment? Go. You want to serve the God of of, um, fame? Go. You want to serve the God of money? Go. You want to serve the God of a toxic relationship? Go. But as for me and my house and everything that comes forth out of my lineage, we are going to serve the Lord. Yes. And here's the craziest thing. These are the same people that were brought out of slavery. And they still forgot God's promises, which is why it is so important. Sometimes like non-believers, they ask you, why do you always talk about what God did for you? I'm like, if only you knew. Let me, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you. And you know why I have to remind myself that every day? Because what he did for me is greater than anything else that anyone else can do for me. What he did for me the day that I was born, the day that I initially gave my life back to him, was born again, the day that I changed my life. And yesterday and today, what he's going to do for me tomorrow is greater than anything that the enemy could have for me. And let me tell you, folks, I have been in some parts of my life where what the enemy presents to you, it's real nice. That's right. it it's nice. real nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I kid you not, you couldn't pay me money to be on the front cover of a People magazine. I'm just saying, not even a million. And I can buy a lot for a million. I could buy a house in Rosemary Beach for just one million. It only cost one. <laughs> so if we put our money together, we can timeshare it. But you couldn't pay me amount of money to want to live my life like that anymore. Because I've not forgotten that my God brought me out of slavery. I've not forgotten that what he did for me is he took me where I was and he brought me into the promised land. So as for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. I don't really care. And now I know, mom, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Because I was so tired at Bob Evans, some of those revival nights. Whew. How many people grew up in revival nights as a child? Logan's like, yep. <laughs> you get out of church service. You're also crying because you've been hit by the spirit. Your eyes are swollen. You don't have makeup streaks, but your parents do. You get to Bob Evans. It's already like 11 o'clock at night. You have school the next day. You have homework that you brought with you. When you get home, you also have to take a shower because you were at church around sweaty, crying people with anointing oil on your face so you don't break out. We're pastor's kids. Of course we wash our face after getting anointing oil on it. You go to Bob Evans and you're tired. And you say to your mom the next night, do we have to go? Yep. Get your butt in the car. We're going. For real. Get your butt in the car. Let's go. We're going to revival service. You're on vacation and there's still church. Dad's like, I found this church just right outside of uh, Destin. We're going to go. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) do we have to? Do we have to? Right. God is everywhere. Not just that church. Like, he can speak to me through waves. In fact, probably more. I could just hear him instead of everybody else around me. But my father made a statement. As for me and my house, uh uh-uh. We're going to serve the Lord. And thank God he did. Thank God he did. Because those are the moments that I keep always coming back to. Here's the craziest thing about what Joshua said. This was a statement that he made when he was on his deathbed. So at the very end of his life, it was like, I got one thing to say to you. This is what I've learned. All of those other people can go that way. But as for me and my house, this is what we're doing. And we live in a world in 2024 and for the last, you know, three, four decades where we hear all about what everybody else is doing. And we're so concerned with everybody else. And we're like, well, I mean, so-and-so's doing that, and they are getting famous. They have money. They have success. They have a relationship. They have whatever. And it seems like no matter how hard we go, we're not getting that. But once you experience the joy of the Lord, that's not just a feeling. Happiness is an emotion that you feel. The joy of the Lord, that is a state that you live in. And that is something that he gives you every single day. And then as Christians, and sometimes people think that we're hokey because we do this, but once you experience that, you can't not tell it to somebody. You're like, if only I could tell you what it feels like to be covered in his presence. When you, when you don't even know what time it is, day it is, you don't know your name, you don't know anything, the presence is so thick and so heavy on you that you want nothing else in the world, it's a glimpse of heaven. And so you're saying when you choose the other direction that what that feels like is better than that glimpse of heaven. Amen. You're choosing one over the other. And a lot of times I was talking to Tori about this this week and she said, you know, it's so hard and I'm just going to be transparent. And so Tori can also be mad at me later on, but I, can, I feel like I can identify with this as well. When you grow up in the church, oftentimes that spirit of religion attacks you more than anybody. And so you grow up in a way that it's like, if I don't go to church, I'm going to go to hell. And if I do this, I'm going to go to hell. And if I do that, I'm going to go to hell. There's a lot of do's and don'ts in religion, and that'll preach. Let's just take a second. Did I ruffle feathers? (laughs) 
there's a lot in religion. But that's not a relationship with Christ. When you have a relationship with Christ, when he is the one that you choose because he chooses you, you don't do those things out of love and respect for him. And so it's hard to retrain your mind that way because sometimes when people get born again, they're like, wait, so you mean I like can't go see a movie? Well, what can I do? Can't see movies, can't go here, can't go there, can't have that friend, can't be in that relationship, can't do this, can't do that. Well, what can I do? Well, I don't know. You can be in love with Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying you can't do those things. I think that God gives you those convictions. I think that God does that on a personal level. But suddenly you start to think what I can or can't, not what I can or can't do. It's what I don't do because of my love for him. Just like my husband, my family, my children, I don't leave my children without feeding them. Not because it's not the wrong thing to do. It's 100% the wrong thing to do. But I don't do that because I love them. I discipline them because I love them. Right? If we could just grasp that, then maybe the choice of serving other gods wouldn't be as difficult as it is for some people. If we could just do that. And that is what I feel like God is up to in 2024. It's like, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I keep hearing, I am the God that is going to penetrate the unlikely places. And he is not going to start revival in a church. You're going to come here to get filled, but you're going to go there to get fed. Right? If you're coming here to only get fed, then what are you doing 80% of the rest of your week? You're going to come here to get filled. You're going to go there to get fed so that you can fill up other people. And then you're going to come here to get filled again. But I'm the God that's going to penetrate the unlikely places like restaurants and gyms and banks and coffee shops and streets and parades. I am the God that is going to show up in a way that only I can. Everyone expects me to come in and move in church, but they're not expecting me to move in a newsroom with an anchor that suddenly messes up the script. I am the God that is going to penetrate the unlikely places with unlikely people. I'm sorry, this is not even a part of my message, but it is. That's right. It is. Joshua 24:14 says, "Now fear the Lord." So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. That reverential fear and it says, "Put away forever your idols, your ancestors worship when they lived beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors or will it be the gods in whose land you now live? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, serving him with all your faithfulness. There is no middle ground. When you make a choice, it's not today I'm going to choose that and tomorrow I'm going to choose something different because then you're a hypocrite. And so if you say, today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and tomorrow you don't say that, guess who's watching you? Your babies, your siblings, your parents. And suddenly they notice something's not right here. Something's not right. Joshua states the most fam- one of the most famous statements in the Old Testament, and rightfully so, because it expresses the heart of a spiritual leader in his family. 
Now, I know I'm not a husband and I know I'm not a dad, but you guys have a big heavy weight on your shoulders with this statement yeah. as the leader of the home. Come on. We need some godly men in 2024. We need some godly men. And, I, and I'm saying that, and I'm like all Miss Independent Boss Babe woman. So that's like real hard for me to even say. But I know that the father is the spiritual leader and the head of the household. And what he does and what he says, my kiddos are also watching. This week I posted something silly, but Micah, it was football day on Friday. And so even though the Bengals aren't in it, and if they were, they might have beat Patrick Mahomes, but anyway, um, maybe not. You guys are so boring. <laughs> so I posted this video of Micah because he said, will you take just a picture of me before school? I'm like, you bet. And so, you know, I've got like 200 pictures, but I kept asking him, what are you doing? Because he kept putting his arm up like this and like standing on the steps. And I'm like, where'd you see that at? And he goes, I'm being strong like daddy. And he kept putting his arm up and he was laughing. Like he'd do, like put his arm up and then giggle again and do it again. And I said, well, where'd you learn that? He said, my dad. And I said, oh, is daddy doing that? He said, yeah, he, he shows me his muscle. He's doing like this with his muscles. And in that moment, again, confirmation, because my son is watching what my husband does. He wants to be strong like his dad and emulate what his dad is doing. And so fathers, husbands, sons, brothers, grandpas, single men, people are watching you and looking to you with what you need to say and what you are going to do. And so it is important that we raise some godly men in 2024. The enemy is attacking men. Because without them, we cannot bear fruit and multiply. That's right. Without them, we cannot grow the kingdom. If he can attack the husband, the father, the dad, the grandpa, the uncle, the sibling, whoever it is, then he can cut off fruit. That's right. He can cut off growth. Amen. I, again, not my message, but... younger men who are just starting families out or who are thinking about starting families, something that I've noticed over the last 16 years being together with my wife and, and, and children, my attitude, my cadence, my discipline, 100% is reflected in the household. 100%. I mean, you can see in everyone's mood, on their face, how diligent they are with their chores and with their duties and their responsibilities. Like, you are being watched, men, whether you realize it or not. That's right. All the time. That's right. By everyone around you. Mm -hmm. And they pick up on that energy. Yeah. And they respond. You give them the cue for what you can and can't do, what's acceptable and not acceptable, when we can compromise and when we can. And it says we can only serve one master. And I'm an existentialist, which means I don't believe what comes out of your mouth. I believe what you do. Yeah. I believe how you act. And when you choose that alcohol, when you choose that gambling, when you choose that substance, when you choose that indulgence <coughs> over God, yeah. over subjecting all of your behavior to him, you're not serving the one master. You're not serving the true master. And I just want to, one part from 14, that, I'm using the New Living Translation, it says, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Yeah, that's right. Sincerity. That's right. Amen. And truth. Amen. And that just really resonates with me. Amen. Sorry for the Amen. Amen.
He's right, though, and and I think that is kind of what has happened to Christians is if you're not truthful, if you're not sincere in what you're doing, then your children can see right through that, right? They know you better than you know you sometimes. I got three Ps because we have to stick to it, and I'll be quick because I've already said half of what I'm going to say. But this choice that Joshua made, the first is it was a public choice. When he declared it, he said, but as for me, he was saying, I don't care what my friends do. I can lose them. If that's what they want to do, then they're a bunch of losers anyway. But he stood and he made a public declaration. Church, it is time to make public declarations of how you feel about our Lord and Savior. It's no longer time to hide behind that spirit of religion. It's time to practice what you preach. It's time to say, you bet. I'm a follower of Christ, which means I've left all of this behind and I'm walking towards him to be a follower of Christ, not just believing in God. But if you accept him in your in your heart as your Lord and Savior, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It means when you label yourself as a Christian, you identify with a group of people, which means I am like Christ. Imago Dei, I am made in the image of God. The image of God does not entertain itself with what everyone else is doing. Am I right? Yeah. The image of God says all of those other people can do that, but I'm doing this. Right. I am on the pursuit of holiness, yes. sanctification, of consecration. Salvation is not just an event. You know, I'm stealing this from my friend's husband that preached this at North Road last week, but it stuck with me. Salvation is not just an event. It is a process. That's right. oh, that's good. You wake up every day and make that choice to follow him. Yeah. But guess what, church? Here's what I love about it. Because forget the do's and don'ts. You know why? Because he says, my mercies are new every single day. And I wish I, oh man, I wish I could just like tell myself that 20 years ago. That when you have that concept of, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to pursue him, nothing else is going to matter, and it's not, I'm, I'm not losing my life, even though I'm giving my life up, I'm gaining my life in Christ. I'm gaining all of these things. Sure, you can't go out and do that and do this and maybe be with the old relationships or the friends or everything else, be in the toxic environment, but let me tell you what you can do. You can donate $5,500 to a safe house for women and children that have been freed from human trafficking. Amen. And do it in a way that not just makes you feel good because it's good works and that's what we should do. But when you take that money, you can bless it in a way that when they receive that money, it is anointed. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is on it. And suddenly they receive that gift of being free, but they also receive that gift of someone loves me. And someone cares and the Holy Spirit's all over that money. It's different money than what these philanthropists do. I'm on a whole different area. I'm so sorry, but I'm just, like, I'm just being real. It's a whole different level because that money is anointed. It is set apart. It is different. Let me tell you all the things that you can do when you're a follower of Christ. You can worship, and you can worship in a way that it doesn't matter who's looking at you because you don't care. You don't care. And when you focus on him, like I said, suddenly those things start to fall off of you and nothing else matters. 
when you start to declare that. When you become a Christian, when you follow Christ, the battle that you're fighting, you're not using positive affirmations anymore. You don't look in the mirror you're like, I've got this. This is going to be a good day. I am powerful. I am strong. I am awesome. I mean, look, I'm accomplished and da-da-da-da-da, right? You're starting to declare things over your life that penetrate the spiritual realm. I am a child of God. God is not the author of confusion. That is not of him. And now I am armored with the armor that will allow me to fight the battle. And I don't need to worry. All of those things happen when you follow Christ. And if you make a public declaration, well, guess what? Sometimes it's infectious and contagious. And suddenly the little Christian that's next to you is like, I want to say that too. And so one person says, but as for me. And then everybody's like, me too. Me too. Me too. You know, how many times in church are you waiting for that one person to make the move? How many times are you like, oh, if so-and-so would just raise their hands, then I could. If, if If they would just do something that would give you just a little bit of like the push to be able to do it, which is why we know that not only is it a public declaration of what he's doing, it's a persuasive declaration persuasive. He claims the right to speak for not just him, but his wife, his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, their children, their children. Let me preach. Your children's 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 children. Every single person in that lineage, that heritage, as the leader of this clan, I hold their proxy in my hand. I have the ability to say my entire household and the seed that is within them not just my kids but who they're gonna touch and the kids that they're gonna make and they're and oh my lord so when I'm making that declaration I'm not just persuading myself I'm persuading every single seed within my body and the body of my children to produce and multiply and to touch. And I'm not talking just like having babies. Hear me out. I hate being pregnant. Like I'm the worst pregnant person ever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that you come into contact with. I'm talking about the the lives that you don't even know who you're going to touch yet. The people that you're going to meet today and tomorrow and 20 years from now. Those people, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do it. The last P is, it's public. It's persuasive. And the last part of that, we will serve the Lord, that is a positive statement. It's positive. When you follow God, when you follow Jesus, when you give your life over to him, there's nothing negative about it. Literally nothing. And if you can find something, let me know. Because I'm going to find something in his word that says, you're wrong. There's nothing negative about serving God. There's nothing negative. It's completely positive. It's serious godliness. When you say we're going to serve him, we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to show up at his feet and say, here I am, God, take everything. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So come on in. Here's your keys. You know what they're for, God. 
You're not mistaken. Here's the key to my heart. Here's the key to my life. Here's the key to my house. Come and take everything. Everything that I have is yours because I serve you. I serve you. It's a positive statement. The real winners of the Super Bowl are not who wins the Lombardi tonight. The real champions are men like Riley Patterson, like Brock Purdy, that stand in a world and say, what everyone else is doing, I don't care. Because I know that Lonzo and Miss Pat have prayed for my parents and my aunts and uncles and me, Riley, and my wife, and our future kids, and everyone else after that. And Lonzo and Pat have made that statement, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And sometimes it is a little bit forceful. I've been there. I've been there. I can identify when it's like, don't put that on me. And they're like, thank God for putting that on me. Thank God, because you made that declaration of faith and of, of trust and of serious godliness. And because of that statement, my life is now changed. And my kid's life is now changed. And you know what? <laughs> you know what I love about this is in Joshua, it doesn't say like what time all of that changed. Even though Joshua made that declaration, it doesn't mean that maybe his kids or grandkids or great-grandkids suddenly in that moment did. It's he was laying the what? Foundation of the house. When you've got cracks in that foundation, it doesn't matter how good the kitchen looks. You got to fix those cracks. But when you have a sturdy foundation and your kitchen's got roosters in it from circa 2000, she's looking at me. It's still in. It'll come back. Don't worry. All those roosters. <laughs> it's French country chic. But when you have a good foundation, guess what? It don't matter. It don't matter. Mike and I walked into a house recently that was backed up to Uncle Lenny, like the guy that owns Uncle Lenny's, and I was like, this is it. Because one, he's got a pool. Two, he's got ba free babysitting. He's got kids. Three, he's got food. This is it. Except you could hear the traffic on 270. And Mike's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And we walked in the house, and it was pretty. It was really nice, and we loved it. Really good yard. We loved it. And we walked out, and we get home to my parents' house, and my mom said, so did you like the house? And we said, no. And she said, well, what was wrong with it? And Mike kept going, I don't know. It just felt like it was built bad. I'm sorry if somebody in this room built this house, but <laughs> it was kind of bad. <laughs> Now I won't tell you where it is, but he just said, I don't know, it feels like, like I was walking and I could hear it like creaking, even though it was a new house. It was, it was strange. He's like, I just felt like the bones of the house were weak. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. The bones of the house were weak. And we know that when a storm comes, when wind and rain or fire, whatever comes, if, the, if that foundation, if those bones are weak, it's not going to stand sturdy. But when the foundation is strong, it doesn't matter what comes in. It doesn't matter. When I give him the keys to my house and he builds his house upon it, it doesn't matter. Like the song says, and now I'm not talking about my house, but I'm talking about your house, 
I'm talking about this house right here. If the Lord builds the house, ain't nobody going to tear it down. When it's filled of his name, there's nothing that can shake that ground. Nothing. So I'm going to take my ruins. I'm going to take this house, this rubble. Now I'm preaching to Judy, wherever she is. I'm going to take everything that's left and I'm going to give it to him. And he's going to say, don't you worry, baby girl. I'm going to rebuild it. And when I do, there's nothing that can tear it down. And so church, if you are in a state right now where you feel like your house is rubble, he's going to rebuild it. And it's going to be so strong. And I feel like that, what, that is what God is saying to this body because I'm not going to lie. Two years ago, I felt like we were living in some rubble here because the enemy attacks and attacks and attacks and attacks this house because he knows that it is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is a well where people come to get filled up. And he's like, look, what are you going to do with all this rubble? But pastor and Lonzo and board members and founding fathers and Nigel McNeil and many other people that we have that say, as for this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so as they said that, the devil's going to attack, but I feel like God is going to say, I'm rebuilding, I'm building it up. And guess what? Here's the crazy thing. Unlike the house buying process, you already have the key. You don't need to go to the title company. You already own it. You already have the key. And so uh, 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 this is just coming to me, how we're almost doing this series in a roundabout way. It's like those movies that start at the end and then they go back to the beginning. I love those. I'm like, I don't even need to watch it. (laughs) You've already done told me the ending. I already know how it's going to happen. That's what I see. God gave us the keys last week. And we're talking about the rebuild, but how it starts is when that contractor comes in or when the people buy the lot and they say, I'm going to build my house on this lot. And then suddenly everything from that moment gets built, it gets inspected, it gets tested. And then, oh man, and then we decorate it. You can't decorate before it's been built. Even if you have the keys, if you're still working on the kitchen and that tile and that backsplash, you can't decorate it. So Brooke said a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry, I'm just preaching to my family real quick. Brooke said a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't matter what we do. We don't need to have smoke and lights. We don't need to have billboards because the people are going to come. The decorations are going to come. We are building our house. God is building our house. And we're getting ready. We're like, I I just feel like we're parts of the bones. We are not the decoration. We're parts of the bones. Who he's going to send in tomorrow, the next week, the next year, the next 10 years. Those are the decorations that are going to fill his house. And it's what suddenly makes that house start turning into a home. Suddenly, it's like, what am I going to do here? How can I make this area better how can, how can I serve in this body, in this house, to make it better? Where can I get plugged in? What can I do? I'm not just, ooh, mm, 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 I ain't going to sit on a shelf. 
I might be a Tiffany Blue KitchenAid mixer, but I'm about to bake some cookies. I'm not just going to sit here for decoration. I'm going to be used. And hold on, because I'm not just going to be used to make cookies, but I've got the hook on me that can make bread. And I've got the whisk on me that can make meringue. I can serve in this capacity as this vessel, as this conduit, but what I'm doing is wildly different from week to week to week. And so church, now is the time that we don't sit in these chairs that we need to get rid of and get new chairs in Jesus' name. Stop sitting in these chairs, but now we're going to find places on the shelves and on the walls and in the bedroom and in the bathroom where we're going to be displayed to be able to serve others so that when they come in, they go, this looks so staged. You know when you stage a house? It's, it's put out there in a perfect way to where when your, your owners, your future buyers walk in, they can see themselves there. So when people walk into this house... And they see all of these things placed here. They can say, I can see myself here. And suddenly they come in on week one, like Josh and Leah, come in week one, I can see myself here. And then two weeks later, they're like, hey, I want to get plugged into the cafe. What can I do? I can see myself here. It's time. It's time. He's built his house. It's time. I, I'm done. I, I've got nothing else. I've got nothing else. I'm going to let pastor come up. I need a, I just need two, two seconds, and I feel like we need to sing that song again, pastor. I hope that spoke to you. I, I'm, it's time. Amen. That's so good. That's why I felt like that was, I mean, I didn't know all of it. She just kind of gave me a, I, I don't know, I just, I guess I saw it coming. But when she told that, and I said, we need to start with that. What, what, what I feel like God's given to me, this is the introduction to it. That's powerful. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, last week we gave out some keys. Felt led to do that, and uh, it's, it's, you know, sometimes when you do these things, you don't know exactly how or what's going to be the, the end game of it, but uh, Gina put it on Facebook, took a picture of it, put it on Facebook, and told what it meant to her, and uh, John and, and Terry, we're glad to have you here today, because out of that, they saw that, and they saw themselves here. Is that, does that make sense? So I had to personally go out there and say, hey, here's your keys. I think, I think these belong to you. Somebody, is anybody here that didn't get keys last week? Okay. I knew that there were some people here. If you're a guest, come on if you want some keys. Here, we got some keys. I might have to get some more, just like to have to get some more steaks. Uh, not Kansas City, but steaks. But uh, doing that this afternoon we have to have super bowl themed food but anyway <laughs> i'm talking about driving steaks yes. amen, amen. Yes. praise god yes. praise the lord amen stand to your feet amen. stand to your feet is there anybody else they got some hands raised i got my key 
I got my key. And you know, as here's the thing, when she was saying, as for me and my house, the key gives access and authority. And we oftentimes want the access, we want God to give us access and the authority. But the thing is, when we give him our keys, we're saying, God, here's access into my life. And you have the authority to do the rebuild. You have the authority to remake everything inside of there. You just do what you want. Amen. And so I, I guess, are we going to sing that again today, this morning? she coming? Yeah, I knew she was needing a drink. It's okay. Needing a, a drink. But, uh, you know, I just want you to make a, make a bold statement. I know you're in your seats, but I think it would be great. Are they all gone? I'll get more. I'll get more. I'll have more. You have to come back next week. <laughs> Amen. It's all good. It's all good. We'll get some more. Erica, come on. What do you got? Come on up here. Well, stand here. So I just want to say that uh, my parents have always served the Lord, and even though my sister, myself, and my brother um, steered away for quite a while, now all of our houses serve as well. So I just want to say thank you to mom and dad for never giving up on us. Amen. That's good. So good. So good. I like what's happening, don't you? I'm glad to be a part of what's happening, don't you? Lonzo, is this what you saw? When you and Pat invited us over to your home, we were in Arkansas. The boys were there. This is what you saw. And beyond. And beyond. Amen. Wow. Amen. So I'm going to ask you if you would, just as, could you just stand down here? I guess you, we're going to do that song. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Elkie, I don't even know if, if Tess knew that you're a title company. You know what I mean? When she mentioned that about the, the title company. That's awesome. Amen. Yes. Well, you're giving, this is the title and deed. You're just presenting the word. You know what I'm saying? This is your title and your deed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel good. I feel good. I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't know that this would even happen. But there's a, a, a man that I met a, a six, seven years ago. His name is Dean Braxton. And he was... Uh, he was dead for an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, anyway, God uses him very prophetically. And he spoke a word over me. And so I, anyway, and I think I made reference to it a few years, a few weeks back, or last week, I don't know. And uh, anyway, there was a movie that was out in the theaters. Many of you saw it called After Death. Remember that movie? Anyway, Dean Braxton was a part of that uh, there's another gentleman that was, has been at our church before, but Dean has not. And I found out he's going to be in, in Illinois uh, in two weeks in a Sunday morning. 
totally unscheduled, but how many of you would say, I'd like to come out on a Sunday night if you were able to get him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would anybody? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. It's, uh, but he has, he has eyes that see heaven. You, you know what I mean? He just walks in that thing because once he's been there, he understands how the communication is. And, and uh, powerful man, great testimony, but, but even a pow more powerful ministry. So pray about that. We'll see what takes place. I just didn't know what to do, and I said, God, give me direction. Father, I just thank you, Lord, right now. You've given us keys. You've given us keys, and you're putting within us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that what you saw, we begin to see. We see ourselves in what you're doing and beyond, and beyond. And Lord, is, and we thank you for this word today. We thank you, God, for orchestrating everything and for bringing it about and let it be applied to our lives today. Let it be applied to our lives today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here's the keys. Come on in. Everything we have is yours. As, as this is being sung over us today, let it be our heart's cry right now in Jesus' name. For those who attend weekly, for those who are first-time guests, Lord, may they find their place that you have in speaking to them today. And we just give it all to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll look forward to seeing you again. Invite somebody next week that needs to get in on this. What do you think about that? Amen. All right. Have a good afternoon. Eat some wings. One, one and a half billion wings will be consumed today. Oh, wow. <laughs>